beautiful heart A beautiful heart Just thank Him for His heart Thank Him for who He is Thank Him for who He is this morning That He's not just a lamb But He is a lion He is a just judge of all the earth He is a good God Thank you, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. He's a warrior. Thank you, God. Just lift our hearts to him for a moment. Thank you, God. Let our hearts be set ablaze with praise. <laughs>
testimony and I wanted them to come and share with us what God did a couple weeks ago and was it in Indiana in Indiana so welcome Tessa and Bernie especially welcome Bernie when you hear this testimony you'll know why 
Thank you so much, everyone. Um, this is our opportunity to say thank you to all of you guys, because um, many of you prayed us through this whole situation. And um, it was an amazing um, ordeal. But I'm going to have Josh start just... Um, all of us have different parts because you'll find out later Bernie was um, blacked out through most of it. So um, we're going to have him start and we'll just let you guys hear all that God's done. Good morning. <clears throat> so the blacked out part is dad had a heart attack back on what day was it? December 15th. And um, so the blackout part was that. <laughs> um, so he calls me at 3.30 in the afternoon. Dad and I talk all the time. One good thing about our family is because Dad and I travel all over the country, we always keep up with where each other are. Used to drive me crazy when I was little, I'm not going to lie. But it works out really well now because... Dad called me at 3.30 in the afternoon and said, hey, Josh, um, I'm loaded up. He drives, he drives a truck, and you're going to see some pictures here in a little bit. Um, called me at 3.30 and said, hey, I'm loaded up. He said, hey, by the way, um, my chest is hurting. What does it feel like when you pull a muscle? And he said, now it's going into my throat. And I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, no, this isn't good. But I'm like, Dad, you need to park the truck. You need to go get some help. Like now. Well, we hang up the phone. He says, um, I need to call your mom. And then he hangs up the phone. I didn't hear anything else from him. I call him mom, and I'm like, Mom, has dad called you? And she's like, I don't know. I think she said no. And I'm like, you need to call dad. Something's desperately wrong. Um, he was in Laporte, Indiana, so he wasn't here. Um, the, uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, yeah, so he called me in Indiana. Anyways, the day before I jumped, I realized I forgot something. With our company, mom is my dispatcher. We own the company together. But um, there's like Thursday, by Thursday, I try to start heading home so I can play for you guys on Sunday because I could be in California. And... Wednesday was weird because I was in Atlanta, and usually Atlanta is real easy to get out of. Well, I sat there all day, and I'm like, okay, this is really strange. What in the world is going on? Thursday morning, we get a load. I get a load to Indianapolis. I'm like, okay, I'll just take Indianapolis, and I'll get home. Well, it worked out really well because Thursday afternoon is when Dad had his heart attack in South Bend, Indiana. And for anyone that knows where that is, it's only about 150 miles away. Well, I was in Kentucky when, um, I'll get back to where I was at. So dad called me, called mom, you know, something's going on. We lost track of dad. Didn't know what happened to him. So we called the, you got it? Okay. Here she is. <laughs> First of all, um, do you want to share about just how you felt or anything? <laughs> Well, I had heart problems three years ago, and I was comparing that pain to that. Didn't feel anything like that. Ended up being a lot worse. Um, I left the place where I picked up, and I was heading towards Virginia to unload. And I was going down the road, and just a normal little country road, you know, 
no, no, no shoulder, nothing, just a little too lame. And uh, all I remember is that I, I mean, I physically blacked out. I mean, just like dark sheet right in front of my eyes. And that was it. And uh, I ended up rolling the truck, and I never felt any of that. I do now, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't at the time. So that's all I know. <laughs> Part three. Um, anyhow, after Josh had called me, he said, Mom, have you talked to Dad? I don't think he's feeling well. And as wives, we all hope it's the flu, but you know deep in your heart something's going on. And I called him, and at this point, he was getting really bad. Um, the cardiologist said he was actually in like a, a shutdown mode because his heart wasn't really beating enough to sustain life. And Yay, God. This is one of many yay gods you're going to hear throughout this whole testimony. When I called, there was still enough time. He was still a little alive. And he told me, um, he said two things. He said, heart, and I'm not in a good place. And I really didn't know what the second and latter part meant. But then he tried to say the second thing again. And all he could get out is, I'm not in a good and then it went dead. And, um, and, and that good place was physically, I wasn't in a good place. There wasn't nowhere to park. And uh, if I was on the right path, which I thought I wasn't, somehow I veered off off a fork road. So I was out in no man's land at the time, which worked out to be better anyways, because it put me closer to the hospital. But, um, but as I was feeling like that, I was expecting to be on the right path, and only a few miles up the road was a small truck stop, and I was planning on getting there, but I didn't. <laughs> I, I was way out. <laughs> and the way out, like you said, ended up being awesome because if he was where he thought he was going to be, he would have been probably another 20 to 30 minutes away from the hospital. And because of this veering, the second yay God, he had to pass a little town um, called Walkerton, Indiana. And it's one of those old little towns that's got the 1900 buildings on each side, you know, the, from that era. And cars parked on both sides. And here comes barreling a tractor trailer through the middle of town. And not one person was hurt. And he does not remember any of that. And at that point, um, his whole left arm was completely gone um, from what he was sharing later. And um, God literally drove that truck through that little town. And when he got to the other side and was heading back out into the country and the truck is picking up speed, the road started to veer. And because at this point he was probably gone, um, the truck, of course, didn't go to the turn. And it rolled. And... As it rolled, it's going 50 miles an hour, and it's sliding on the roof. And um, later on, again, the cardiologist told us, because in our hearts when we got to the hospital, our thoughts were, oh, my goodness, he not only had a heart attack, but he rolled his truck, and he's sliding on the roof of the truck. It just dumbfounded me. I could not see good in that but the cardiologist said that accident literally saved his life because why well, um when the can you show the picture um of that rachel yeah this will give you an idea of 
there's his track. <laughs> and um, this one, if you can do the upside down one, Rachel. There you go. This one here, he literally slid upside down. But um, the police chief said as they're sliding, there was this ravine culvert kind of thing with another crossroad. And when the truck hits that, normally he said it would have split the truck in half and that would have been the end. But because they had so much snow and yay God for lake effect snow in Indiana, <laughs> that thing when it hit that culvert ravine, it literally went up into the air and slid like a sled and landed him back up on top of the road and that was the final picture right over here. And he was inside of that. and. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. When it this one here, Josh and I later went to the tow yard that brought his truck back, and people were like, "What did you think about that? Were you just terrified?" And I'll be honest with you: when you go through these kinds of things, you look for God. You look for him. You see and try to find his little thumbprint, fingerprint, his voice anywhere you can. And when I looked onto that truck and I saw that little part that wasn't completely smashed, right there on that, that side, that is where he was sitting. And that was the only part of that truck that was not completely collapsed in. So. God had his hand on that whole entire thing. <laughs> Amen. Um, also, I wanted to tell all of you thank you. Um, when I found out, when after he went completely dead on the phone with me, I personally didn't know where he was. These guys stay in contact, and I thank God for that. Um, I didn't, so I called his company, and there was the crazy wife going, Bernie's in trouble. Where is he? <laughs> and they gave me a general idea, and I want to give a call out to the Indiana Highway Patrol. They kept me on the phone until they contacted every precinct along the route that they thought he might have been in. And they held me on the phone until every precinct could ask their questions. And because Bernie told me hard, they knew it was a medical emergency rather than just looking at this as an accident. And so they knew immediately that it was heart, and they had seven hospitals in South Bend, and they had one that is one of the best cardiology units in the whole state of Indiana, and God probably had him about 16 or so miles away from this phenomenal hospital. And, I mean, this man travels all the way up into the desolate areas of Canada. He could have been anywhere in this continent, and God blessed him to be that short of a distance from one of the best cardiology units. And we found also when we said about the veering, time was of the essence. That's what all of the doctors were telling us. Because once they got him there, because of the accident, they didn't know if he had internal injuries. To, they said especially the spleen or if he was internally bleeding. And of course, you can't go into a heart cath with internal bleeding. And they had 20 minutes to get this diagnosed, get it him sustained enough to take him in. And there was a blockage and they angioplast and put a stent in. But the cool thing again, the next day, 
the cardiologist comes up and after he tells us this God story, they called him Miracle Man because it was right before Christmas. <laughs> and they said that there was no further damage to his heart. <laughs> and this man, when I talked to him, it was 20 till 4, they found him at about 10 or 10 after 4, something like that. And because of that major impact, they said it was like a paddle that when you would shock somebody, that got his heart back out of that really subliminal rhythm that doesn't sustain life. When that thing hit, it caused his heart to all of a sudden start pumping again. <laughs> Yay, God! <laughs> and that sustained his life until the, the ambulance got there to him and it kept the rest of his body, his brain, from not getting any further damage. And when they did the internal look, they did find a broken vertebrae. And um, when I was traveling up and I could feel every one of your prayers and your texts and your calls, thank you guys, because that literally got me. Um, I got to Cincinnati and I honestly don't even remember that. <laughs> It was one of those, you think of Bobby Connors, he gave um, Bernie a word back when we were all in the warehouse and he said, there was going to be something in your life that's going to look like a fire, like it just will destroy everything, but you can still see it, but God, <laughs> but God will redeem back everything and it's going to even be better than you could ever hope for. And then he looked at both Bernie and I and he said, and you will be together. So as I'm driving, I'm thinking of those words of Bobby Connors saying, he, we will be together. God is going to sustain him. But as I got to Cincinnati, Josh arrives because he was only 150 miles from the hospital. And he said, Mom, did you know Dad's back is broken? <laughs> no. <laughs> and all they said to me was he had braces and the red flags go up and you wonder, why are they putting all these braces on him? And they said it was prevention because of the accident. Well, Josh fills me in that he had a compression fraction on his on one of his vertebrae, and so as a wife, you go, okay, are we looking at paralysis? God, what are we looking at? And my mom, who's in her 80s, is up through the midnight hours with me, praying through the whole thing for us, and um, called her. She said. I'll get back with you and she researched it and we found out that there could be fragments from this kind of break that can you know hurt the spinal cord or cause further damage well the next morning when we get up and see him um, the neurosurgeon comes in and this is the other yay God he said it for a break this is as clean as you can get it and it will heal on its own and there is absolutely no fragments within that spinal fluid so <laughs> so I mean and as we could go on and on as every doctor every trauma team ICU team they had four teams on him. When they all would walk in, they are just shaking his head because he is the next day sitting up. They're taking out tubes. They're taking off oxygen. He's walking by the end of the second day. They are just amazed at what they have witnessed. And like I said, they were calling him Miracle Man. And, um, and just like the police chief said, when a truck lands like that and does a flip and then smashes on top of the on the road most if not all the time if it, you didn't get sliced in half at the culvert 
both sides of the truck should have collapsed in. And I just, in my heart, you know, you can feel those things. I felt like God just was like hovering over him and saying, this far and no more. <laughs> He's mine. And, um, I, and God kept telling us all through the night, I've got this. I've got this. This is one of those things as intercessors, you don't even know to pray this. You just know, you pray bless them when they go out and bless them when they come back in. That they're the head and not the tail and they are above only and not beneath. And um, that has been our prayer for many, many times. You know, in case you haven't heard, it doesn't, you can just read anywhere in the scripture. God is the one who does what's impossible. Have you know that? He does things that are above and beyond what you could even ask or think. He does what has never been done before. All right? He does what we could never do for ourselves. You remember that old saying that said, God helps those that help themselves? Fooey on that. It's no good. It's not, it's not right. He helps those that can help themselves. He does what he pleases. He does what's never done, been done before. I like that one. And he does exactly what he said he will do. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. But we need to do some prayer. You guys, you guys are willing to be an army this morning, aren't you? Okay, we, we really need to pray about some things. I, I honestly feel this, that we impacted what happened in November. You know, we would pray that God would unrig the rig. And I believe he did it. I believe things were supposed to go a different direction. And so the elite of the world are most upset. And now I also know that inauguration is coming up and uh, this week. And, uh, you know, there are great plans to disrupt and cause chaos. You know, we can stop that stuff. We're the church of the Most High God. You know, they may have 750,000 protesters is what I understand. But God is up to something. Now... You stay with me. I'm not trying to get political here. But they, did you know there was a prophetic word? How many of you saw the prophetic word by Kim Clement? They've been showing that. You can see it on the Internet. But he spoke that. Some of, how many of you never? You don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, you need to see it. Most of you hadn't seen it. So get that ready. But in 2007, Kim Clement spoke this prophetic word about the United States. And let me give you a little so you can understand what he's saying. But... He preceded it by saying, for God said, I am not going to, un to yesterday to bring the past back into existence, but I'm moving into the future and bringing it into existence. For this nation shall once again pioneer the greatest move of the spirit that has ever, ever happened, says the Lord. And you are alive, and you are alive in the midst of it. Now, when you watch this, he talks about Trump. Now, he wasn't thinking about running in 2007. He talks about even that he has hot blood. You know what that means. It's obvious. He has hot blood. You know he's a little angry at times. And uh, we're learning things about that, and we're going to have to pray. But he also talks about how God would raise up a man in the highest office of the land. And, uh, but anyway, I want you to see this two-and-a-half-minute video. Go ahead and start that and turn it up where we can hear it. By the way, Kim Clements from South Africa, and he died right after the election. This that shall take place shall be the most unusual thing, a transfiguration, a going into the marketplace, if you wish, into the news media, where Time magazine will have no choice 
but you say what I want them to say. You speak what I want to say. The view what I want to say. Trump shall become a trumpet, says the Lord. Trump shall become a trumpet. I will raise up the Trump to become a trumpet and Bill Gates to open up the gate of a financial realm for the church, says the Lord. I will not forget 9-11. I will not forget what took place that day. And I will not forget the gatekeeper that watched over New York who will once again stand and watch over this nation, says the Spirit of God. It shall come to pass that the man that I place in the highest office shall go in whispering my name. But God said when he enters into the office, he will be shouting out by the power of the Spirit, for I shall fill him with my spirit when he goes into office. And there will be a praying man in the highest seat in your land. There will be a praying president, not a religious one. But I will fool the people, says the Lord. I will fool the people. Yes, I will. God says, the one that is chosen shall go in and they shall say, he has hot blood. For the Spirit of God says, yes, he may have hot blood, but he will bring the walls of protection on this country in a greater way. And the economy of this country shall change rapidly, says the Lord of hosts. Listen to the word of the Lord. God says, I will put at your helm for two terms. A president that will pray, but he will not be a praying president when he starts. I will put him in office and then I will baptize him with the Holy Spirit and my power, says the Lord of hosts. Come on! Now you know what? Now you guys know that prophecy does not trump this, right? And you know you have to judge prophecy. And we only see in part and we prophesy in part. And so we're not saying every prophecy is obviously. There's some prophecies that missed it by 20,000 miles. I mean, you know that. And we're not going to get, you know, where to judge them. Nobody judges them today. I'd like to be one to say that was wrong. Man, you missed it. But, you know, we, we should do that as a church. But we're going to have to do some praying like we've never prayed before. Because we are to, you know, I believe the things the prophet spoke. But I want to show you something, and then I want to share something very specifically. But look over in Psalm 74. I had a dream just before the first of the year where I was reading Psalm 74 and Psalm 78. And what do you think I did when I woke up? I read Psalm 74 and Psalm 78. And, but anyway, it was the last two verses of Psalm 74 that got my attention. And it says this in the last verse, it says in verse 23, Do not forget the voice of your enemies. The tumult of those who rise up against you increases continually. And how many of you know that after a, a spiritual victory or whatever kind of victory in your own personal life, you can expect some retaliation to follow? The enemy usually rises up. You try to get closer to God and something happens, you can expect some measure of assault from darkness to try to get you to back off of where you were. You know what I'm talking about. And so it is with America. There's going to be a continual assault against righteousness 
And even if you desire to be righteous, you don't even have to be righteous. The Bible says if you even think about being righteous, you'll suffer persecution. But what's the answer to that? Well, look in verse 22. Here's the answer. Arise, O God. Plead your own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproaches you daily. And then he goes on, don't forget that the uh, wicked and um, those with the voice of the enemy will rise up continually. And that's going to happen. And this Friday, we've got to pray because there's a, there's a lot of evil planned for this coming Friday. I mean, if you know that. And we can pray that away. Now, another thing is what happened just a couple days before Christmas. We've got to pray about this as well. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, if you want to stand for Israel, I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment. We've got to pray about both of these things. But right before Christmas, our nation, our leaders, I didn't do it, you didn't do it, and not every leader did it, just a few of them. The current administration betrayed Israel. And there was some type, you know, of resolution to divide the land. Now, today I understand they're meeting, or they already met with the time zones. They've already met over in, was it Paris, to solidify that or whatever, to put that thing into action. But actually, they signed the resolution. Now, i got to remind you of something. Okay, now, I'm not getting political. This is biblical. I'm going to show you something. Right before, I don't know, this is a couple years ago, I was just going to get away with the Lord. It's good for, to do that. I mean, if you know that. I did that this week. I wanted to stay on that mountain. I really, I went away for a couple days. I, I could have just stayed there. But anyway, I had to come back. How many of you know you have to come back? Especially when your wife's on the phone. Come back. you got to come back. The dogs have broken the chains. you got to help. Whatever, you know. you got to come back from the mountain. I just want to stay. But anyway, it was a couple years ago, and uh, someone gave me some se- a teaching series by Derek Prince. And uh, so I felt like it was a Lord's site. It was a long series. So I went away for a, on a long journey. And I listened to it the whole time and on the way back and while I was there. And Derek talked about how that... In Matthew chapter 25, God would not only judge people and nations for what they did, he would judge them for what they didn't do. And I read, that got my attention. So I went and studied it for myself, and I'm going to show you that. Look over, if you would, real quick, at Matthew chapter 25, and God will judge a nation for what it doesn't do. And there are three examples of that. The first one is in verse 1 through 4, chapter 25. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took the lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And you know what happens, right? So the bridegroom, who's the bridegroom? Jesus shows up at midnight. It's the darkest time of the night. The the foolish who took no oil in their lamp go to the wise and what do they say? Give us some of your oil. They said, no, we don't have enough for you and for me. You go get your own. So they go get their own and the door is shut. And they're judged because they did not take oil in their lamps, right? Oil represents the Holy Spirit, the anointing. Listen, you need the anointing in this hour. For 2017, you can be religious and you might get by a little bit, but you're going to have to have the anointing to overcome the giants that we are facing. And we're going to face them, and God has ordained it because he's going to raise up a church in the midst of it. 
But anyway, that's the first example. Then the second is beginning with verse 14, the parable of the talents. And now remember the, the Lord, the, he gave the servants five talents. Then the other one he gave how many? Two talents. And the other one he gave one talent. The guy with five talents, what did he do? He invested his talents, he invested his gifts wisely. And he, he brought a produce, a great harvest. And then the one with two talents, he did the same. And um, he brought forth. And then the one with one talent, what did he do? He just kept it. He did not use the gift. He didn't use the talent, the gift that God had given him. And that's a word to us. We've got to use what God gives us. And then so he's judged by, because he did not use his talents. Right? How many of you see that? So that's a judgment. And then the, the final thing is the, the parable of the, uh, the, uh, the nations. It's a judgment to the nations how they treat Israel. Remember, he said, I was thirsty, I was hungry, I was you know, naked, and you didn't clothe me and such. And you say, well, where do you get that from? Well, look in verse 45. Then he will answer them and say, surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it unto me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so what are we going to do? We need to take a stand. You need to make a decision. It's going to be registered in heaven. Because those who try to divide Israel, what did God promise he's going to do? He's going to divide them. All right? So it's just the way it's going to happen. So as for me and my house, we're going to stand for the Lord. We're going to also stand for Israel. We're going to bless. Those who bless Israel get blessed. Those who curse Israel get cursed. Obama cursed Israel. Did you know that Netanyahu, after the election or after Trump takes office, they're going to show Trump ironclad evidence that the United States set the whole thing up. They pretended not to vote, but they set it up. It was a betrayal. So you didn't betray him. I didn't betray him. So you know what I'm talking about. So we're going to pray about the inauguration. We're going to pray about Israel. And then I, I've got something I've got to share with you and then release it, okay? Everybody with me? I feel like there's a little bit of contention. There's a little bit of political contention. Forget all that political stuff. You don't even worry about it. We're going to see things sometimes politically differently. I'm talking about what God's Word says. So anyway, don't stand unless you mean it. But if you want to make a stand today and say that is for me and my house, these leaders may do what they want to do. I'm, a, I'm part of the kingdom. I choose to stand with Israel. I want you to stand. I'm going to stand with Israel. I'm going to bless Israel. All right? Okay, now we're going to pray. Because I was thinking about this. Okay, God, we're a people inside of this country. We did not make that decision. All right? And we're going to bless Israel. And then we're going to pray for this inauguration, and we're going to bind up the spirit of contention and chaos and lawlessness. And from Moravian Falls, North Carolina, I, I don't know, you know, maybe some of this, I don't know, we're just going to bind it. All right? Don't leave it up to God. Whatever happens, happens on Friday. But we're going to do our part. Father, in the name of Jesus, first of all, we are a people today that we choose to stand with Israel. We say we bless Israel. And you said those that bless Israel will be blessed. So we bless Israel. As for me and my house, we bless Israel, period. 
we honor them. We ask you, God, give Benjamin Netanyahu and the, the cabinet great wisdom in this hour. We bless them. We pray, Father, that every plan and every work of darkness, every curse, every betrayal would be spoiled in the name of Jesus. Lord, we know this may not be the timings of some of the things we know prophetically will happen. So we pray that our nation's betrayal, we ask you for forgiveness and mercy. Mercy on our leaders who would do this and then try to hide it from America. Lord, we thank you. There's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. And they try to hide things over and over. But today we're seeing clearly what's being done in the secret. And we thank you, God, that's what you said. Nothing will be hidden that will not be made known. So, Lord, we ask you now, spoil the plans of the evil one. And we bless Israel. And also we pray about this Friday. God, we don't know all the answers to all these things. And this prophecy by Kim Clement, we don't know about all this stuff. We just know that you rule and reign over the affairs of men. And our hope is not in a political leader. It never will be. Our hope is in you. And so, Lord, we come as the people of God and we pray that the plans and the schemes of darkness to bring disruption, to bring chaos, to bring riots to the streets of America. God, we ask you, like Psalm 74 said, the enemies are continually rising up. So, Lord, we ask you, O oh God, arise, O oh God, scatter the works of the enemy, spoil the plans of darkness, uncover, reveal, expose. Lord, we ask you to shut it down in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we ask you to send angels around the, the parade grounds, around uh, the inauguration. And, God, we ask that people will give testimony that they tried to disrupt, but they could not do it. We ask you, God, rise up and let the peace of God and the presence of God overshadow that inauguration. And Lord, we know whatever happens, it will not be as worse as what it would have been. Because we're praying. We thank you. You answered our prayers, and you're answering our prayers now. God, we thank you. We're not just a bunch of folks. We're not religious folks. We're the sons and daughters of Almighty God. So let your kingdom come and your will be done this Friday in America. And Lord, we're believing for a great awakening. We do believe one thing for sure, that God, this nation will see the greatest move of the Holy Spirit this nation has ever known. We prophesy it. We believe it. We grab hold of it by faith. We say yes and amen. And we also sign up that you would use us us as a part of that great move of God. Lord, everyone in this room, that's why we're here. Here we are. Send us. Just like Isaiah. Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. How many of you would say that? Here am I. Use me. Use my family. Use our children. Use this ministry. God, visit America again. And we thank you for it. And we're expecting it. We're believing it in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give him a clap. Listen, you can be seated. Go ahead and be seated. I'm not done yet. Is that okay, guys? I got to get something else out of my spirit. Last week, we were supposed to have these guys from the Ukraine. And, uh, you know, I was disappointed. I, I waited around before we had to cancel, but every church, everybody, no, you wouldn't have been able to get here. Some of you might have, if you have a four-wheeler, because Aaron Mitchell left his four-wheeler at my house, and I went and played a little bit, and I had some fun. I went to check on Dylan. That was my excuse. I was really playing. Did you see when I was? 
But anyway, I said, I checked on Dylan. I was, I got to keep that thing. Anyway, that was a lot of fun. But anyway, they were supposed to be here and he didn't get to come. But I went over to Richcrest because they're having this big conference. And I, I want you to know, they're Russians. They were from Bulgaria. They're all these different Slavic nations. And they were on fire over there. It was a, there's a major move of God among the Russians taking place in America. I was blown away. I said, God, I wish we'd have got in on that. Now, he's going to be here in the mission conference. So anyway, it was a powerful time. And I was so blessed. And I told those guys, too, they're worshiping in Russia. And I said, I want you to know the church doesn't believe that we know by the Spirit they're lying about Russia. That's not true. We bless you. We bless Russia. We bless Ukraine. We bless those countries. God's raising them up. He's raising them up. He's raising up a mighty army in Russia. And all these kids have come to America for such a time as this. And uh, they're getting on fire, and God's about to loose them, and they're going to be a part of a great awakening. So anyway, I know there's a lot of news about all that stuff. I don't know everything, you know what I mean. I know just enough to know I don't know what I ought to know. But by the Spirit, I know there's something sneaky in Denmark. Something ain't right when they're telling us Russia cheated and all that stuff. I just don't know about all that stuff. How many of you else are disagreeing? You feel like something ain't right in Denmark. They think they're pulling the wool over our eyes. I'll never forget when I went to the Ukraine, God told me there was more propaganda in, the, in America than there ever was in the USSR, ever. And now I know exactly what God meant. And we're not going to listen. We don't even care. We're going to listen to the truth. The truth will prevail. And the truth is God's word. All this other stuff, you know, we might miss it, we might hit it, but God's word, we're going to hit it. Now, I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to share something, because I had an encounter with God these, over there in Rich Chris this week, and it was a powerful time, and like I said, I wish I could have just stayed. I, I made it to the mountain. I was going to go to the top, and I kept trying to talk myself out of it. No. And I would get a little bit further. And I, God, and I thought I was going to make it. And I said, look, it's still, there's still more to go. So I'd go a little further. And I thought I made it, and there's still four more to go. And then I'd go, and there's still more to go. But I was determined I'm going to make it. And I made it to the top. And it was a good time. I was asking God to show me your glory like Moses. Lord, that'd be really cool. You know what I mean? Now, I didn't see his glory, but he did meet me. Maybe I did see his glory. Maybe my eyes weren't open. You know, sometimes a well, you, there can be, remember, who was it? Hagar. There was a well. She couldn't even see it. Right there. And, and so God had opened her eyes. Well, anyway, I want him to open our eyes. We've got to see all those things. Now, look at this in Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, beginning with verse 1. And you he made alive. Say, he made alive. You know what that means. It means to cause someone to overflow with something. What do you overflow with? Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow what? Rivers. Man, listen, there's a, we're living in the midst of a dry and thirsty land. We have the answer. There are rivers of living water living in every one of us who are in Christ Jesus. That's the Spirit. Okay? It also means, if you're alive, to be present in greater abundance. That means you're not here just to survive. You're here to live life to the fullest and to spill out everywhere you go. How many of you know that? 
We're to have maximum impact. Say maximum impact. And we're not just surviving 70, 80, 90 years, whatever. I hope 90 and 100 and 100, who knows? I did a funeral yesterday, a lady 97 years old. I said, God, you're no respecter of persons. You did it for her, you know, you could do it. But we're to have maximum impact. It doesn't matter how many years. What matters is we're living life to the fullest. Whatever number of years we're given. He said, for you were made alive who were dead. Say, we're dead. You were dead in trespasses and sin. And is that not true that the wages of sin is what? It's death and it produces death. In which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? That's Satan. So you once walked. Well, that means everyone outside of Christ is walking now under the dictates of the prince of the power of the air. They're walking according to the course of the world. We wonder, how can somebody, you know, pack a, a gun and then, unlo- you know, get it out of their suitcase and baggage claim and then walk up and shoot people in the head? I can tell you how they can do that. Because they're walking according to the course of the world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air has come to do three things. You remember what that is? Steal, kill, and destroy. So you're going to be under the control of this prince or another prince, another king. The only king, really, the king, the king of all kings. So he says, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So he explains that. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So everyone in America, either they're going to fall under a child of wrath or they're a child of the king. Is that not right? Is there any middle ground? Can you be a child of, you know, I don't know what. I just know that to many as believe, or, you know, believe in him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God, children of God. So in Christ, you're a child of the king. Outside of Christ, you're a, you're a child of wrath. How many of you see that? So this helps us understand why are people acting so foolishly? Why are people lying, stealing, killing the lust of the flesh. Well, it's because of who they are. And they're under their, uh, their children of wrath, just as the others. But verse 4, but God. How many of you thank God for but God? Thank God for but God, who is rich in mercy. Say mercy. Say mercy. Thank God for mercy. How many of you are thankful for the mercies of God? Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead. In trespasses, he made us alive together. Say alive together. With Christ, for by grace you've been saved. And raised us up together. Say raised us up. And made us sit together. Say sit together. In the heavenly places. Now you could preach on that, those three things. We are now alive together. We're raised up together. And now we're seated together with him in heavenly places. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ. Now, verse 8, everybody should know by memory. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is what? It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. No one's going to get to heaven and boast and say, boy, I really earned this. I deserve this. No, you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's by the mercy, by the grace of God. How many of you know that? How many of you are thankful? 
but God, His grace. By grace, you have been saved through faith. So we know that it's grace that saves us. But look in verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared. Say prepared. He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now that word prepared, that's what I want to talk about. And I want to try to release that and stir you up, okay? Because you're going you're to have encounters this week with forces of darkness. The prince of the power of the air is working in all these sons of disobedience. And, and, you, and you are a child of the king. You're a son of the resurrection, all right? I mean, you're of a different mold. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away, all things become new, right? How many of you know that? It's not a joke. It's real. Now, I know we're growing in Christ. We're growing in maturity and all this stuff. But you're going to be faced with darkness, diseases. Folks, one of Jesus' primary things was he cast these things out. He didn't put up with them. I declare to you we've been putting up with far too much for far too long. These things have no authority. Jesus said, I've given you authority to trample on scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. Everywhere we go, the atmosphere should, something should happen in the atmosphere. One of two things, either all of hell should break out because you showed up and hell is upset. You know what I mean? They don't like you. Or heaven should invade the earth. Hopefully that's what happens. After hell breaks out, you know, we will represent the kingdom and heaven will break out on the earth. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. All right, this is where we live. Because you're going to go to work. You're going to be around that atmosphere and, you know, the cursing and the lying and the cheating and any of that stuff go on in the world today. It's just from time to time. But anyway, we got to be prepared. Now, the word prepared in the Greek means to fit up in advance. It means being fitted. It's almost like being fitted with a wedding dress. When Emily, just before she marries Isaac, we went to Winston, and she tried on some wedding dresses, and I had the time of my life looking at my daughter, and she was being properly fitted. What I want you to know, we are, we are being fitted. You are fitted for the moment. It may not be the right garments, but you're fitted in Christ Jesus, and they're spiritual garments that God has given you, he's fitted you for the battles you're about to face so that you will be what he said you would be more than a conqueror. How many of you know that? Now, you're his workmanship. What does that mean? Anybody know? It means his special design, special creation, a workmanship. God worked you. He fitted you. He made you. He created you. pulled you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. He fitted you in advance because it says... We're his workmanship created for good works, say good works, which God planned beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. We got to start walking in them. I know many of you are, but I prophesy we're about to walk in the greatest works the church has ever known. The glory of the latter day house is going to be greater than the glory of the former. The rain is coming. He did he not promise. I will come to you like the rain, like the former and the latter rains of the earth. 
Now, here's the question I want to answer, ask, and then according to this verse, because the same grace that affected us in verse 8, we got saved, is the same grace that enables us to walk in the works, the good works, in verse 10, right? We're not saved by works, but we're saved for good works. So grace in verse 8 saves us. Grace in verse 10 enables us to walk out the good works, the works of the kingdom, dispelling the darkness. We can't just criticize darkness. we got to cast it out. We can't, you know, there's a real tendency to murmur and complain. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. Things go awry, we, we, we murmur. Forget the murmur. Just change the situation. Just rise up and be a son and a daughter of the Most High God. So how do you become everything God has called you to be in this hour? That's the question. How do you become His workmanship prepared for every good work? Got it? That's where we're going in the next few minutes. So listen fast and I'll preach fast. But I don't want to preach too fast because I want us to get it. We're an army. Man, everything's changed. I, I don't know if you can see it, but I can see it. Church is not church as it used to be. Something has shifted over America. Have you, how many of you feel that? Anybody else? Am I the only one? Something has shifted in the heavenlies. I was talking to some of those pastors over at Ridgecrest. They, everybody senses it that has any discernment. There's something different. God has heard our prayers. This is a unique moment. It's, it's like this is the time we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. So we have to take advantage. If you're going to really bear fruit, this is the time to bear fruit. That makes sense. So here's how you do. Here's how, how do you walk out all that God's called you to? How do you become his workmanship? Number one, find out what God has said about you. Find out what God has said about you, not what somebody else said about you or what the devil has said about you. In fact, what the devil usually says is just the opposite of what God has to say. In fact, the devil shows up and he says, has God said did God say? How many of you know that? Have you ever heard that voice? You hear God, a promise from God, and then the devil shows up and says, did God say? You know how you should respond when, when you hear that? You say, yes, that's what he said. That's what he said. You, you want to hear it again, what he said? And then just tell the devil what God said. He can't stick around. So I remember a time, find out what God said, a time in my life, I was just, I wanted to know, God, what are you going to do with my life? Anybody else ever been there? Lord, what are you going to do? I want to know, what's your will? What's your plan? What's, hey, I'll do it. Just show me. I couldn't see it. I can remember those days. And there was a verse that really stuck out to me. Isaiah 45, verse 10 through verse 12. Listen to it. It says, woe to him who says to his father, what are you begetting? Or to the woman. What have you brought forth? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, ask of me, ask me of things to come concerning my sons, and concerning the work of my hands you command me. I'm going to get back there in a moment. I've made the earth and created man on it. I, my hands, have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts. I have commanded it. I used to pray that prayer literally. I would say, God, you, your word says, ask of you concerning the work, concerning your sons, concerning the work of your hands, command you. Now, I always had a problem with that word command. Anybody else have a word 
problem with that. Commanding God. God, I command you. I never could feel good about it. That's because it really doesn't mean exactly like we would define it. It, it means a sense of urgency. Your urgency. You're urgent before God. And your command is walking out your life on the earth. That's your command. But you're receiving your orders from heaven. And so you're going to God. God, I'm urgent. It is urgent that I hear from heaven. I want to challenge you. Ask God for the urgency. And he'll give it to you. And he will not deny you. He will not deny you. So number one, just ask him, okay, God, what's your word to me? Secondly, believe what God has said to you. You got to not just get the word of the Lord. You got to believe it. What happened with the children of Israel? They could not enter the promised land because of their what? Unbelief. And we got to believe what God has said. Now, I'm going to get a little personal, just personal testimony. I don't mean to make it about myself. I was thinking, Lord, how much should I share this? It means a whole lot to me. It may not mean as much to them. But it will if I share it in the context of Scripture. And I want you to go to Genesis 28. Are you guys still with me? Don't, don't check out too quick. Genesis 28. I've, I've told you before, some of you remember, that I was called to preach at Ridgecrest. Remember that? I told you when I was a 19-year-old boy, and I, I remember the night. It was a, a youth gathering, and I went outside, and, and I took my Bible, and I knelt down, and, and I prayed, and I had a candle, and Shirley always tells me, how did you have a candle? It was December. How did, how, how did that work? I don't know how it worked. It just worked. Evidently, the wind wasn't blowing. But I went out, and I did that, and I could see, and I prayed and committed to the Lord. Okay. So anyway, many years have gone by, and, and I've visited Ridgecrest, North Carolina, many times. Every time I visit and I stay in this lodge, they put me in a room that oversees that little area where I knelt down that night when I was 19 years old. I've told you that. There are two sides of the lodge. I've stayed there many times. You would think one time I would stay on the other side. Never have I ever stayed on the other side. Even this time, I changed up. I said, I want a room with two double beds, thinking maybe if I had a king side, maybe if I had two double beds, they put me on the other side just to try to trick the situation. You know what I mean? I get up to the room, it's facing the same side, right? That same spot. So I'm always revisiting that. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm always thinking about that calling. I didn't know every, I didn't know anything. I still don't know very much. I just know him. But I do know. I want to show you what the Lord showed me. Look in Genesis 28. Remember Jacob and uh, the Jacob's ladder. Remember the experience that he had. And he had a dream. He laid his head on a rock. And all of a sudden the heavens open up in the dream. And some things God promises him. And I'm reading this, looking out the window. And the, it's like I was in retrospect. God was, he told me. In my heart, he said, this is what was happening that night to you. Now, Jacob didn't know what was going on. He didn't know God was in the place. Remember that. I was the same way. I didn't know it was that serious. It was serious, but it was really serious. And this is what God was showing me. Now, this is a word to you as well. Look what he says, verse 15. First of all, behold, I'm with you. Say God's with you. Or he's with me. That's the first thing. You've got to hang on to that 
all through your journey. God is with you when you, do, when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. All right, when you've been good and when you've been bad. He's not the kind of God that's going to cast you out. He's God. He loves you unconditionally. And so he was showing me, I, behold, I'm with you. And I will, and then secondly, I will keep you. Say keep you. I'll keep you wherever you go. And I thought about all those years and ministry in different places, and he just began to encourage me. And then he said, I'll bring you back to this land. And that really hit me personally because he's brought me back time and time and time and time and time. He even brought me to live here. I'm from Louisiana. He brought me to North Carolina. We even tried to leave, didn't we, Shirley, at one point when I was Rick's assistant. It was so rough, we left. Remember, we took off, went back to Mississippi and Alabama. It wasn't that rough. God called us to be a part of a great revival that happened down in Mississippi. Don't tell stories. It wasn't that rough. It was actually good. And he gave us a dream. And we saw revival in Mississippi. 1,200 people got saved over a little period of time. And then we came back. But then look at the last thing. He says, for I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. And God just again reaffirmed that to me, and I was so encouraged. But I want to speak that over your life. God will not leave you. He'll not desert you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to forget about you until he has done everything he's spoken to you. How many of you would agree with that? How many of you grab hold of that? God, I thank you for that promise. Right now, you can have your own personal open heaven. There's a ladder right now, an open heaven, Jacob's ladder. It's your ladder. And God's promising you, I'm not going to leave you until I do everything that I've spoken to you. And then the next thing, not only hear from what God said, believe what God said, but choose to be what God has said about you. Now, this is a key. You've got to listen. Oswald Chambers said, the person you're destined to become is the person you choose to be today. The person you choose to become or your destined person that you're to become is the person you choose to be. Just choose. Make a choice. It's not case sarah, sarah. What will be, will be. No, that's not it. That's called religion. It's not what will be, will be. It's what you believe and what you declare and what you choose to be is what you will be. Does that make sense? God, I choose to be the person you've called me to be. I choose to walk out this plan that you put in my life. You've got to make choices. There are choices and there are consequences. And then the next thing, stand on what God has said and never back down. How many of you know there's a good fight of faith? Anybody in that fight right now? I feel like I'm in it up here right now. Hey, Shirley, give me some paper or something. I feel like there's a fight going on over America. A fight going over, over families. A giant fight. You know, it might help to take this jacket off. Thank you. Wow. Isn't she pretty? Yeah, it's a fight. It's a fight. It's a fight of faith. Listen, your enemy's not going to lay down. The enemies of America, just because we think the right person won, whether we know or not, the enemies are not going to just say, okay, I retreat. I'm going to take a back alley. No, they're going to rise up with more determination. I was reading Matthew chapter 10 yesterday. 
And it said, where Jesus said, nothing hidden, there's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. There's nothing, you know, that shall not be uncovered. And then the Holy Spirit said, now you should read that in its context. So I read the context. And he talks about great hatred. They will hate you. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. And the Lord began to just encourage me, saying, guess what's going to come? I'm going to uncover everything that's going to be things that's being hidden. But at the same time, those who are being uncovered are going to grow in their hatred toward you. They're going to grow in their hatred toward God. And guess what? You represent God. And so they're going to, you're going to be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then he says in that context, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. He talks about the fear of man. He says, don't fear man, what man can do, but fear God. There's a whole bunch of stuff. You should read Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 11. But I'm telling you, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. You got it in you. You ever lost your fight? Anybody this morning lost your fight? Say, man, I'm tired of fighting. I've been fighting for years. I'm ready to, I'm ready to cash it in. I'm ready to take a retreat. Listen, you can fight on the retreat. It doesn't matter. This fight of faith is a fight of faith. In fact, it's him fighting in you anyway. It's his fight. And we're the victors if we trust in him and keep, keep to the plow. And then another thing, act on what God has said about you. Act on it. Step on it. Step out. I remember after that encounter with God when I was 19 years old, you know where I surrendered to preach. He put a little saying inside of me. He said, Unless or until you take the first step, you will never know the thousands that will follow. Because, you know, I could have just sat on that. Well, good, I'm called to preach. I'm called to ministry. Wow, that's great. Wonder, look at me. No, it didn't just happen. I had to step out. You got to step out. Once he speaks, step. You say, well, what if I step, what if I step in something I don't want to step into? You know what I mean? You probably will. You st just clean your shoes off. Get back up. Man, the world is dirty. Stuff happens. It's called life. You trip, you stumble. The righteous stumble seven times and they rise again, the Scripture says. You're going to stumble. I stumbled a few times since I was 19 years old. In fact, a few hundred thousand times. Ever, anybody been there? You just get back up. What do you do? You're going to be disqualified? Okay, God, I blew it. You know, the devil is a liar. He has two lies. Well, he has probably a bunch of them, but two of them in particular. Before you give in to sin, he'll say, now everybody's doing it, especially when you're young. He'll say, hey, man, it's the status quo. Don't you want to be like everybody else? What, do you want to be weird? You want to be different? Everybody's doing it. Besides, they're getting away with it. You'll get away with it. So then you give in, and, what, and what's the second lie that he tells you? Now you've blown it. That's it. It's over. God doesn't love you anymore. You blew it. It's over. You might as well cash in. You're done with. He's a liar. He's a liar at both points. Yes, the wages of sin is death. But if anyone sinned, there's an advocate. And you can confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from what? All unrighteousness. So you just confess and you get back on. That's one of my favorite verses. Always has been. Confess your sin and he'll forgive you. I'm telling you, he's faithful. How many of you found that to be true? 
Not only act on what God said, but then never forget that it's all by grace. You'll become what God's called you to be. You'll walk out God's definition of what it means to be His workmanship. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that will enable you to be what you've been called to be. Same grace. There'll just be a whole lot more of it at your disposal because it's all the grace of God. How many of you say yes and amen? Now, I feel a little quietness in here this morning. I don't know exactly why. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask God, this is what I see. I see a bunch of hungry folks that have been in the trenches. Some have gotten knocked down. And, and others are trying to wipe the mud off of them. And it's almost like they're saying, okay, you're telling me about all these great works and good works. I'm just trying to get the mud off of me. I, you, don't even know, you don't know where I've been. Every time I try to get back up, somebody else slings mud on me. And then I see others, you know, they've been in the battle. They, they got up out of the foxhole and they've taken some shots. Some folks just ran out of ammunition. But I see others, they don't even care if they run out of ammunition. They are... Man, they're going for it. But I don't care what it is, whatever your situation. God wants to touch you today. He wants to release a fresh anointing in your life. Others of you, you can't get out of the fox, so you keep slipping back in the pit. There's an addiction in your life. And God wants to smash that addiction in the name of Jesus. He wants to break it off of you. Nothing should addict, nothing should hold captive the people of God. Does that make sense? It's a lie. You don't have to live with an addiction. You can be free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Is free indeed. So we can break the addictions. We can help you get out of the foxhole, get out of the pit, get back in the race. Get back because we're in a great race. And I prophesy over you, you're going to finish your race. You're going to finish your race. You're going to finish your race strong. Strong. You're not going to quit. You're not going to lose heart. You're not going to drop out. There are no dropouts under the sound of my voice. Nobody's going AWOL. You are not the tail. You are the head. You are blessed going in. You're blessed coming out, just like we heard. You're a blessed people of the Most High God. You're the saints of the Most High God. So let's pray that God will release it. How many of you want some of that? Just stand. I'm going to pray that God will release it. And then we'll figure out how to, what God's doing. There's a different atmosphere. It's like all of America's waiting to see what happens. I tell you what happened. The, the kingdom of God is coming. The will of God is being done. That's what's going to happen in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we pray. Just, just lift your hands up. Holy Spirit, we wait on you. We wait on you. There's nothing we can say or do, God, but we come to you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, first, we break off every addiction off of your people, every form of captivity, whether it be mental, some, some habit, something that's gripped. Right now, God, we thank you. Jesus came to set the captives free, and you said that we, too, that's part of our mission. You've anointed us 
to preach the gospel, to see the captives free. So, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we break every addiction, every power, every yoke, every form, immorality, impurity, everything, every mind-binding spirit. We break the hold, the cord of darkness over your people in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for deliverance, for freedom, for freedom. Now, Lord, I pray, I speak to those, God, they've grown weary in well-doing. And they need a shot. They need the fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray right now. Lord, I ask you, I see there are angels laying hands on people, I guess, in agreement with what God is doing, with what the Holy Spirit is doing. So right now, Lord, we agree. God, give your people strength for this hour. We lift them up by faith. We declare, God, we ask for a fresh infilling, fresh anointing, fresh oil of heaven to be poured out over their lives, overflowing, overflowing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you we're not running out. We're overflowing. We're overflowing. I want you to see yourself. I'm overflowing with the mercies of God, the goodness of God, the anointing. Lord, I thank you we are an anointed people. And we loose that now. And God, we pray, Father, stir up what's needed in everyone to be the workmanship you've created them to be. God, I thank you there's a book written in heaven with the works and the plans of which we are to walk out. And Lord, I saw this week how I walked out many of the things you put in my life that day, years ago. And God, I declare that over these people. That God, they're, they're in the midst of the book. They're walking out their life. That which you planned in advance. God, how can that be? Works which you planned. You prepared us beforehand. And God, you showed me that I was fitted for this moment. I declare over everyone in this room, they are fitted for the moment. They're fitted for the place. They're fitted for the time. They're fitted for wherever they live. They're fitted. They're in place. God, you gave them garments that fit well. And I thank you, God. And Lord, I declare over your, their lives that they are more than conquerors. More than an overcomer. They're conquerors in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray, God, for an anointing. Lord, I, I wish I could hang on to that, that I felt on top of the mountain. And I can. I can. Because you came down with me. And so, Lord, right now I release, I loose God, the atmosphere of heaven over everyone's life. And I pray, God, everywhere they go, there'll be atmosphere changers. Things will begin to happen in the workplace. Things that have been wrong, injustices, suddenly the power of Christ will change it. The anointing, because just we show up as the sons and daughters of God. And I thank you. I thank you. And Lord, if there's anybody here lost, if you're lost, you've never trusted in Jesus, you're watching. And you don't know if today you died, you would spend eternity in heaven. This is your opportunity to make sure you can call on Jesus. He will save you. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe in your heart that God raised his son from the dead, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. 
And I want us all just to pray out loud, but and as a reconfirmation of our own faith. But if you want to know Jesus, this is your moment of salvation. Okay? This is the day of salvation. And uh, so let's just pray. Dear God, pray it out loud. Dear God, I believe in you. And I need you. I'm a sinner. And I thank you for sending your son. Thank you that Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead. He is the son of the living God. And I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and be my Lord and Savior. From this moment on, I will follow you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Empower me to live for you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that I have a home in heaven. But thank you that you're with me now. And from this very moment, you will never leave me. You will keep me. And you will perform your will and your word through me. And I thank you for it. And I honor you. Now use me. Make me radical for Jesus. Set me on fire. That I can bring light to the darkness. That everywhere I go, the atmosphere changes. Neighborhoods change. Cities change. And when I go to nations, they're going to change. Because greater is He that's in me than He that's in this world. And I love you, God. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Just wait just a moment. I want to just see if He shows us anything. This is what I literally saw. I saw a bunch of folks being carted out of a foxhole. And they were helping one another. And some had bandages and they had braces and things. But they were getting out and they were back in line to become the army. Okay? And the others, some were getting up and running because they, were, they, weren't, they weren't wounded necessarily. They just needed a little help. So they were out and they were running back to the front lines. Others, they had crutches. It's okay. You can stop off at the next tent. It's the medic. They'll take care of you. you you're going to get back in. Okay. Some of you are a little bit, you say, I need a little more healing. Maybe that's what that means. Well, just go to the healer. He will heal you completely. You'll come out of that tent completely healed. In fact, that tent, when you come out of that tent, you won't have any bandages. Does that make sense? That's just what I saw. I'm just telling you what I saw. You know, it's just a simple thing. It's a childlike faith. But others of you, i got to say one more thing. I saw this. I probably shouldn't do this, but here's what I saw. It's like the Lord came up and gave you a big kick in your rear end. That's what I saw. It's like, it's not as bad as you think it is. Get out of the doldrums. Get out of that pit. Get going again. So, can I just ask the Lord to do that? Just give some of, I don't know. Lord, just give those that you showed me a big kick in the rear. Give them a big kick. Because it's a kick of love. It's not a kick to punish you. It's a kick of love. Get up. 
Get going. Get going. In Jesus' name.